Good day. My name is Zach Robichaud. Welcome to High School Math and Physics at Calgary Christian School in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. We are delighted to have you join the Every Square Centimeter podcast. Our plan for this podcast is to tour Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in Christian education. We're going to kick off our podcast with an opening square, which is a very modified opening circle. It's a chance to welcome our group, or today we're calling it our route. Last episode, we were actually a Hamiltonian nursery as we celebrated Harry Blylevin from Hamilton District Christian High. So I guess today we're a Calgarian route. And to get to know our route, we're going to start every podcast out with a question or prompt. This part of the opening square, we're calling the name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE. And alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Two Hearts and a Thumbs Up, Darren Speaksma. Hey, Route. Hey, Darren. Hey, Darren. Darren, our prompt today is, what's a unique place you've lived in? Well, I've lived a bit of a nomadic life. Um, started out in a place called Cobble Hill, moved to Mill Bay, then to Langley, then to Chilliwack and Agassiz area. And then from there to Terrace, which is uh, probably the most unique place to live. One, because my father-in-law had to look on his atlas to find out where it was and then couldn't find it because the inset of Vancouver was over that section of the <laughs> province of British Columbia. Um, so that's uh, probably, and it's one of those places where every once in a while, not all the time, but every once in a while you'd have so bad a storm that it would take two or three days to dig out. So you would be secluded from the rest of the province for a day or two because of a good winter storm. So that's probably the most unique place I've lived. I have a sister up in Terrace. Shout out to Kelsey. From advance in Eastern Canada, we have the John Travolta dancing man, Justin Cook. Hey, Canada. Oh, Canada. Justin, what's a unique place you've lived in? All right. Well, following Darren's lead there, here's my path. Sioux Center, Hamilton, Grand Rapids, White Rock, Toronto, back to Hamilton. And you guys learned about how awesome Hamilton is last uh, podcast. But I, I think probably the most unique is my current living situation here in Hamilton. I co-own a big Victorian house just over 100 years old with another family. Um my wife and I and our three kids live on the main floor in the basement, and uh, the other family, the Browers, live on the second and third floor. And we do all kinds of uh, life together in a shared kind of community with the Browers here in Hamilton, Ontario. That is very cool. Uh, as we heard off the top, we are honored to be welcomed virtually into Calgary Christian School by a guy that I'm guessing uses the sunglasses wearing emoji a lot because he just seems like a really cool teacher. Zach Robichaud. <laughs> no? That's, yeah, that might be an overstatement. We'll see. Zach, what, what would be your number one emoji? Uh, probably my thumbs up. I give the thumbs up emoji all the time. Yeah, that yeah. was a favorite. It's much faster than... Yeah, that was yeah. a favorite in our in ours uh, last time as well. Also, also the blow kiss, oh, the blow kiss emoji, okay. but yeah. Uh, yeah. Says so much, you know. Does Zach? What's a unique place you've lived in? (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I have to. I have to comment on Justin's uh, co-housing arrangement. Um, I've lived in a lot of really interesting places, but uh, currently I'm living in a co-housing project. Uh, We have about eleven. Well, it is eleven members living in different uh, condos in a condo building in downtown Calgary. And then together we've purchased a a 12th unit that we share. That's our common unit. So we have our guest room and we have common meals uh, regularly when it's not COVID. Um, And we play games and watch movies and do all sorts of things together. So uh, that's currently, but prior to moving in here about five years ago, I actually, our family of four lived with another family of four in a big house. And so we shared those living arrangements for 
four and a half years um, in anticipation of moving into here. So I know what that's like. It was fantastic. We had in-house babysitting, which was spectacular. And so we got to go out at the drop of a hat. Um, Yeah, it was pretty wild. I am a fan. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I bounced. Thumbs up emoji. Yeah. Th- <laughs> uh, I was looking, waiting for Justin to do a blow kiss emoji, but. Um, I was yeah. thinking about it. I was <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, I, I grew up in Smithers, BC. Northern British Columbia moved to Camrose to go to Augustana University College and to Edmonton and now in Red Deer. And uh, probably a, a unique spot that I landed was my second year at uh, Augustana where we decided to uh, rent an apartment just off of the campus and we didn't have any furniture. So to gather furniture, we collected from anywhere and anything. And so I think our couch was from a social services move. It had a broken arm. We had to strategically place that up against a wall in order for the arm to stay up. We uh, had chairs that sat on milk crates, our, our tables, legs busted. And so we put a wood box TV. Remember the TVs that were built into a wood box? Mm-hmm. So that's what we used for the base of the the tabletop. Uh, we had air mattresses, beds. I remember waking up one night with a couple pieces of furniture on the corners of my air mattress because that's I just kept putting on furniture to keep the air mattress with air in it rather than trying to blow it up in the middle of the night. So thankfully, um, we moved back into our regular dorm in our third to fourth years, and that's the year I met my wife. And I'm I'm guessing. Uh, that was God's timing because if uh, it had been a previous year, I, I'm not sure uh, my life would have turned out the same way as it has. So college re- college living is it's, its own unique time. So for the second half of our opening square, we'll have our guest choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with aim for no other reason than because it rhymes. And so things like frame, acclaim, shame. But today, Zach has chosen flame. All right, for the flame segment, we've basically just categorized this as a segment to share something we're fired up about. Uh, That's about as general as we're going to get. So who knows which direction we're going to go with this. It could be something you're excited about, something you're angry about. Justin, what's something you're fired up about right now? All right, well, I am fired up about uh, a book that I'm reading by Ilya Delio um, called The Unbearable Wholeness of Being. and I'm fired up about it because it is helping me to recognize the beautiful coherence of science and faith. Um, I think the first Catholic that helped me do that was Richard Rohr, and the second is knocking it out of the park, and she is Ilya Delio. I'm fired up. Excellent. Darren, what's something you're fired up about? It being spring, I'm fired up about how stupid lawns are. (laughs) The crazy monoculture, how we decided that was a good idea and that we should plaster lawns all over suburbia. How we decided suburbia was a good idea is a different conversation altogether, but how we decided lawns was the way to go um, just boggles my mind, actually. I'm fired up about that. Hey, I just resodded my entire backyard. I should be fired up about that, too. I love it. Somewhere along the line, I'll send you a picture of my uh, front yard. Um, it is lawnless and we will be eating fruit, um, off my front lawn or what was my front lawn, um, all summer long. And I love that. Uh, what fruit, Darren? Hascap, blueberry, gooseberry, goji berry, and currant. I knew knew three out of five of those. So that's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Zach. Tell us something you're fired up about. This has been a slow burn. Uh, yeah, for the last, I don't know, six, seven years, just kind of embracing this idea of incarnation, incarnational theology, um, the fact that, or the belief, I guess, I, I want to maybe couch it that way, the belief that God joined itself with uh, the physical world um, is pretty spectacular. And so just viewing everything um, through that lens of holiness, um, but also even now if I'm living out my faith incarnationally through my body, through my actions and words and all that, then 
you know, I have to, I have to couch how I see, well, is this an out, you know, outpouring of my beliefs? Am I living out my beliefs? And if it, if I am, then I maybe have to go and analyze my beliefs. And so it's, it's this kind of circular kind of, moving from belief to action back to belief. And so it's been a fantastic cycle and uh, been exploring that in a few different ways uh, with uh, one of my pastors. We host a podcast called uh, the podcast made flesh and um, just exploring that whole idea from a lot of different perspectives. And I have to say, I'm, I'm talking to my people here, Ilya Delio and <laughs> um, permaculture lawns and edible lawns. Like that's, that's fantastic <laughs> stuff. This is, this is a treat. Well, two out of three of us isn't bad because um, I'm not sure uh, <laughs> I'm going to align, but I, actually maybe it will. I, I'm excited about something we're doing at church right now. Uh, I'm on a council at our church, uh, New Life Fellowship in Red Deer, and and uh, we're trying to take on this idea of division right now in our church by facilitating difficult conversations. So we have this thing called One Conversation at a Time every second Sunday night where we purposely put on the table what we think are probably divisive issues. So we had uh, uh, someone talk about an, an LGBTQ plus story. Uh, they came and shared their story. And we respond by uh, thinking about our own emotions when we're listening, thinking about uh, the way that they presented, how it was done positively, some positive element. And then the third thing is an I wonder. And so it facilitates conversation and question. Uh, and then we just had a, a recently someone come and talk to us about uh, global uh, climate change and then uh, next one up is going to be the uh, evolution uh, or ev- the topic of evolution. So pretty excited about it and uh, pretty excited about where our church is going and just having that opportunity to lean into to conflict rather than trying to step away from it. So listeners, we'd love to hear what you're fired up about right now. So tweet us at every square centimeter. That's at every square cm. And right now we're going to transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn more about places in Canada and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. All right, as we heard off the top, Zoc teaches at Calgary Christian School in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And one of the things we want to do is celebrate the places in Canada. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about what you learned about Calgary? All right, guys. So we're going to Calgary today. Zach, thanks for having us. Um, Just a little bit about the city. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge that Calgary is on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, which is the Siksiga, Gainawa, and Bigani Nations, the Sutina, the Ayahi Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation, Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Did my best with the pronunciations there. Guys, I don't know if you thought about this. I always assumed that the, the main purpose of land acknowledgement is just simply to raise awareness about Canada's complex indigenous and settler history. But in researching for Calgary a little bit, did you realize that actual acknowledgement of the land is a traditional custom of the indigenous people when they welcome outsiders onto their land and into their homes? So that was mind-blowing for me. Why are we doing a land acknowledgement? Because it's a way of being hospitable. It's a way of welcoming people. And I just found that so much more meaningful as we think about what a land acknowledgement is. So, Zach, as you welcome us to Calgary, we acknowledge the land of Calgary. Thanks. And Calgary's a river town. It's sitting at the junctions of the Bow and Elbow Rivers. And Mayor Nahid Nenshi described Calgary this way at the naming of Reconciliation Bridge in 2018, which I like a lot. There have always been people here. In biblical times, there were people here. For generations beyond number, people have come here to this land, drawn here by the water. They come here to hunt and fish, to trade, to live, to love, to have great victories, to taste bitter disappointment but above all, to engage in that very human act of building community. Thank you, Nahid Nenshi. A few interesting facts about Calgary. First, Nahid himself is the first Muslim mayor of any large North American city. That's something to celebrate about Calgary. Um, And just this month, actually, Nenshi announced that he would not be seeking re-election after serving since 2010. 
Guys, Calgary is also the first Canadian city to host what international event? Olympics. Got to be more specific. Winter Olympics? (laughs) Yeah, you got her. Okay. Uh, Montreal was the Summer Olympics 76? Got it. Okay. So Calgary in 1988. Um, I don't know if you guys have a favorite Olympic site in Calgary. I've, I've had a good time in Calgary over many years. And uh, for me, it was the Olympic Oval at the University of Calgary. Had an amazing time trying ice hockey or uh, sorry, speed skating skates on the on the oval. The, the oval is so huge. There are actually two ice rinks inside mm. of the oval. It's amazing. It's massive. Uh, second interesting fact, or third, I should say, uh, it's the it's known as the best wor- city in the world for driving. I know it's a bit <laughs> of a, I know it's not a very impressive thing, but it was voted number one in 100 cities around the globe, tested by infrastructure, safety, and cost. Just beat out Dubai at number two. Vancouver's number six, if you can believe that. I was surprised to hear that. I can't believe that. I just got to stop you right there. Plus, <laughs> I'm just wondering, um, is this something to be proud of? No, I know. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, it's Calgary. And uh, lastly, of course, we'll swing it back to pride here. It's home to the biggest and best rodeo in Canada, the Calgary Stampede. Mm-hmm. Um, first Stampede was in 1912, attended by 80,000 people. The city had a total population of 40,000 wow. at the time. And then second, uh, about a million people visit now at the, uh, it's 11 days long and they consume about 2 million mini donuts at the stampede. That's two mini donuts each. That's not enough. So there you have it. That's Calgary. So Zach, we, uh, heard quite a bit about, uh, your story so far, and I'm interested to know how you ended up in this great city of Calgary. Yeah, before I answer that question, I have to say that I was at the dedication of Reconciliation Bridge where Nenshi spoke those words, and uh, it was a very moving time. So uh, thanks for using that to introduce Calgary. Uh, I've been in Calgary for about 12 years. I moved here from Guatemala. Um, I was working in community development with a small uh, Christian organization in the central mountains there. And, um, prior to that, I'd lived in Edmonton and Montreal. And, um, so yeah, it was kind of a, a jarring move from, you know, these, this rural setting in Guatemala to a very urban, actually suburban at the time. Now I live within a probably 10 minute walk from the junction of the elbow and the bow river. So I'm enjoying urban Calgary a lot. Isaac, what what is your favorite thing about the city? Oh, uh, just, I mean, when I lived in Montreal, I I discovered what it was to live in a city and just to enjoy the richness of culture and events and um, just the vibe. And so when we moved to Calgary, it took us eight years, but we finally made it to the inner city. And um, I just love walking around. So I love walking by the river. I love uh, exploring the new central library, which is probably my favorite thing. Um, I enjoy exploring old neighborhoods downtown. So Inglewood and Kensington and Bridgeland, um, little record shops. And Calgary also has uh, an increasingly um, amazing uh, assortment of breweries. So I enjoy frequenting them on a regular basis. So I had one question, but I've got to go in with another question here. So if I'm in Calgary for an afternoon, top brewery. That's a hard question. I got to, <laughs> uh, there, I feel bad saying one. So I'm going to say, uh, annex and establishment and dandy and I'll throw in Highline <laughs> for good measure. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. So that, that means You're I've very got welcome. a very busy afternoon. That's all yes. I'm saying. Very busy afternoon. Those Take it are slow. Great. Take it slow. Yeah. <laughs> great shout out. Um, if we visited your school today, like what would we see? Tell us a little bit about your school. Um, yeah, you would see just a, a great bunch of students. Uh, you walk in and I mean, the first thing that I noticed when I went for my interview uh, six years ago was this kind of lofty foyer and um, kind of split level 
on one side. Uh, you're going to see students hanging out in the library. You're going to see um, the friendliest welcoming people at the front office. So, uh, yeah, and you're going to see a lot of people in masks. Mm-hmm. Enforced. Mm-hmm. Enforced mm-hmm. mask usage. Mm-hmm. That's our world right now, too, here in BC. Uh, everyone's wearing a mask. Um, I, uh, there was a few kids now that I've taken a teaching position where I didn't actually know what they look like. And then I went outside at break and was like, oh, that's what that person actually looks like. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a weird time. Mm-hmm. So actually, your- half, of our, half of our students are actually missing right now. So, mm-hmm. Well, maybe not quite half. Maybe 40% of them have been sent home for quarantine. So it's challenging. Empty. Yeah, challenging to be a teacher in that time, too. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Zach, you, you're telling us a little bit about current times. Maybe tell us a little bit about Calgary Christian, its past, or how it came to be. Sure. Uh, CCS was uh, founded in the uh, 1960s uh, by some Christian Reformed churches in southwest Calgary. It's kind of embedded in uh, kind of a community of it's called it's nicknamed Dutch Acres. So uh, some uh, Dutch Christians essentially uh, put the school together. Um, it's evolved since then. Uh, it's joined Palliser Regional Schools, um, so it's now a part of the public system. Um, and it all it also has you know I think over hundred different churches represented um, in the student population. So we have lots of different denominations. And the society that manages the building and all of that is, um, you know, multi-denominational as well. Zach, some of us are familiar with the fact that Alberta is, many of the Christian schools have gone alternative public, but many of us don't know what that feels like or looks like on an individual day-to-day basis for a teacher. Can you just give us a bit of a taste of, of what that's like being both a Christian school teacher and a, and a public school teacher? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've worked for a public school. I've worked for an independent Christian school, and now I'm at a Christian school that is also public. So it's it's interesting being able to juxtapose all of those. Um, really, a day to day basis. I mean, I talk about my faith. We have devotions. We have um, you know faith formation, like a chapel. We have prayers. Like a, there's really no nothing not non Christian about the school. Um, on on the public side, what's fantastic is we have access to a bunch of resources um, that I didn't have access to having worked at an independent Christian school. So the teachers' conventions and the uh, professional development opportunities, the fact that we have a human resources department, if something goes sideways, that we can go to and get support, it it's really nice to have a a really professional section and also connection to other schools. In addition to the Christian schools that are connected to this uh, school division, um, we have two Muslim schools and we have, you know, all these little country schools, we have Hutterite schools. So being able to interact with those other schools um, in a familial way um, during division wide days is, is pretty special. Zach, uh, tell us a little bit more about, uh, your, your own situation in your classroom. So what's on your wall that tells students more about you uh, if I were in your classroom? Yeah, you should notice my big Acadian flag in, uh, just behind my desk. Um, it's a, basically a French flag with a yellow star. I'm proudly Acadian. Um, but I also have um, a bunch of posters of uh, great mathematicians of the past and I've tried to be really diligent in trying to get a diverse group because usually it's a bunch of 16th and 17th century European men. Um, so just trying to expand that into some of the Greeks and um, uh, some of the excellent Russian women that we have uh, contributing to mathematics. And what I've taken is quotes of theirs that deal with eternity or truth or beauty and or poetry that uh, just to kind of humanize math and to point kids to seeing that, you know, these people spent their lives doing things that, you know, we might cover in, in two, you know, two lessons. Um, And so these are, these are big ideas that took a long time to develop. So I like grounding them in that. Um, Other than that, I also have a part of my wall is just like mini DVD 
covers, right? So from the sleeves, I've cut out, they're like little mini movie posters. So I'm a cinephile. I just love movies. So I've plastered one wall with a bunch of DVD covers um, just to, and it's great because it starts conversations. And yeah. I, I also teach in the basement, so I have no windows and it's really quiet. And so I don't mind that. Zach, in every episode, we want to focus on a practice or topic or area in education that uh, you or our guest is interested in, and, and we want to celebrate them trying that out. So one of the things we're excited about is the opportunity to chat with everyday teachers um, committed to their own growth and learning. And Zach, I know you are willing to share some of those things that you've been thinking about grappling with when it comes to assessment. Uh, do you want to just talk a little bit about that topic for you? Sure. Yeah, I can't really talk about it with kind of talking about how I got there. And so we, I was a pretty traditional teacher, and I, I still am in a lot of ways, uh, where you, you give the lesson, students practice, then you assess them with a quiz or something like that. And you kind of roll through that. And then there's a chapter test at the end. And then you start all over. Um, what I was finding was just a lot of stressed out kids. And just, you know, a lot of copying with, you know, if they're doing their practice, as soon as I was assessing or assigning marks to their work, their practice work, oh, well, then I'd find them copying each other's work in the library or the commons or something. Or as soon as there was a quiz, then I just have kids like the really, the ones who had a lot of anxiety, they just wouldn't show up. So there, there was all these consequences to assigning grades. And I was, I wasn't sure what to do about that. Um, when the pandemic hit and everyone in Alberta was sent home, um, the teachers were allowed to go into the school and work. And what we found was that we had a bit more time because we were limited in the amount of hours we could spend with our students. And so aside from planning and marking and Zoom time with students, as teachers were getting together um, to do some professional development. And it started with our principal, uh, Jaden Bartell, uh, having us come together for three sessions where we watched videos from Rick Wormley. And he had us, and, and they were, it basically just totally wiped out any idea that assigning grades had any value. So I've started now um, at that time because everything was up in the air. Students weren't writing diploma exams. So there was no final exam. So I thought, well, let's just throw grades out. Students had the marks that they had when they went into the pandemic. So I just started giving assignments to see like, well, will students really still engage the material if I'm not dangling a 97% at the end of it or a, or a passing mark? So after, once we came back in September, I uh, asked my principal if it was cool if I went to a gradeless system. And with a summative assessment at the very end to kind of prove that students had learned um, and just took it from there. An another teacher uh, decided to do this with me. Uh, he teaches grade seven math. Um, and so what I'm doing is having, uh, it's a flipped classroom because our schedule is really wonky right now with, um, because we, anyway, I won't get into whole scheduling stuff, but we... The students watch the video, they come into class, they do their practice with me present. And as they're practicing what they're learning in math, um, pre-calculus mostly, and physics, they are able to ask questions. It's not like they're trying to do their homework at home and getting frustrated and, you know, asking their mom or their dad to help them. They can ask me. Um, they're also able to... Uh, just engage with each other as they're working these things. But at the end of the day, um, I'm giving them a little assignment, one or two questions fairly regularly, two or three times a week. And I take in these assignments and I just give, provide um, descriptive feedback. And I'll use a highlighter to kind of highlight, take a, take a closer look at this. Um, can you justify what you did here? That sort of thing. And I give that back to them with no numbers, I'm not, um, I'm having them do a little self-evaluation on a scale of one to six. And then I give them written feedback and they take that and they do 
what they need to do with that. And we have a lot of conversations around that. So that's um, pretty intentional. Um, and then at the end of it, um, we just keep going. Uh, students first semester, their final suggestion at the end was, we still want tests. So I've decided to give them a few. So I've got three or four tests this semester uh, for this this round. And um, they're going okay. The students are getting the same marks that they would have had I, you know, had we been doing quizzes and stuff. But the learning atmosphere in my room is completely different. I finished up with some grade 12 students in math 30 and uh, on math 20 and math 30. That's grade 11 and 12. And then grade 12 physics in first semester. And because we didn't have a final exam, I, uh, I just gave them really difficult problems to work on. And the students knew that they, it didn't count for marks, but they t- tackled these problems with more gusto and joy than I've ever seen in my 15 years of teaching. That's awesome, Zach. What I hear you saying in some ways, I'm going to, I'm going to return to uh, something you shared uh, to Jeremy's question, just about what's on the walls. And, you know, you highlighted the idea of, um, you know, mathematicians throughout history and honoring them. I'm at, I'm going to ask Zach, what story are you trying to invite your students into? It's obvious that it's not the great acquisition story and how, how intentionally ditching that story is really contributing to a much better practice and environment. Can you zoom out a little bit, whether it's math or physics, how would you describe the story that you're trying to invite students into? Yeah. If I would say the fall of education from my perspective is the commodification of it, it it sucks the joy out of it. So students are signing up for courses to keep their options open or I need this, I need this class. I need this mark. I need this. And I'm like, so it's just a transactional thing. Like where's the relationship here? Where's the mentorship? Where is the joy of learning? Where is the sitting at the feet of masters and not me as the master, but you know, these people who have developed these, especially in physics, like just incredible, um, transcendent ideas. And we've reduced it to you know, filling out bubble sheets and, um, you know, turning grades and tutoring. And I've, you know, like it's, there's no fun in that. And so what I'm inviting students to do is just to, I'm trying to bring them into the joy of learning. Um, My whole life, and I was really good at school. I got the grades and I could do whatever I wanted. Um, But I've always enjoyed learning. I like books. I like music. I like brewing beer. I like movies. Um, I like backpacking. I like canoeing. Like I, I like everything. Like give me something new to like. I remember going to my first ballet and being blown away. <laughs> um, I'm like, really? I had no idea. Ballet. Now I understand why the tickets are so expensive. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to bring them into this idea that one, they can learn it, that there's no time limit, that there's no rush, that we can, we can move in this together, um, that their value doesn't depend on a number, that they're, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it really boils down to joy for me. Like, this is something that I've chosen to do with my life. I spend a significant percentage of my life in a classroom with students, well, I don't want them to be crying. Like I remember some years I will have seen half my students in tears for all kinds of reasons, failing emotional things. And then also because, you know, they're so stressed out and they've got a 97 average in my class, you know? Um, Okay. Well, can we, you know, like, can we get beyond this? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great, Zach. Um, and you kind of alluded to some of the, the things I would like to ask you about. But can you give us a picture of when it all goes well, where you've embraced that joy, you've seen students embracing the joy, you gave us that one example of the challenge questions at the end that, you know, a quote unquote, weren't for marks or whatever. But 
Can you just can you paint a picture for us of of what that looks like when you can sit back and go, okay, we're all killing it today. Um, this is beautiful. Yeah, I I think I would have to tell the story of one student um, that I have this semester. Um, I had her last year in Math 10, and she'd actually signed up for some extra, like it was kind of like an extra help block, kind of a flex block. She'd signed up for extra help. So she was coming in, attendance was spotty, nothing really came of that. Um, she went through Math 10, struggled through it. A lot of, you know, I don't want to get into too much personal stuff, but she, she's got, she's carrying a lot. So she shows up in my math 20-1, which is pre-calculus, quadratics. Uh, it's, it's a tough course, even for those who, you know, love math or, you know, want to pursue a career that involves math, are excited to take calculus. It's a tough course and a huge step up from math 10. So she comes in and I'm like, ooh, all right. So we start and it's, it's tough. and she. Um, she's just engaged, fully engaged. She had a lot of trouble with some very basic algebra, like we're talking grade seven, grade eight algebra. So really struggling there, but I was able to work with her and she was just asking questions, 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 questions. What she wasn't getting was a quiz once or twice a week with three out of 15, which is what she would have been getting. She was writing assignments. Mm -hmm. She was getting the feedback. She's like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Okay, yeah, I need to go back and learn that. And then she would. She has been demonstrating to me. Uh, so one of the things we do in Math 20 is derive the quadratic formula. So you have zero equals ax squared plus bx plus c, and then you have to solve for x by yourself. And so we show them how to do it. A lot of kids just memorize the algorithm, which is a terrible idea because it's like eight steps long and it's busy. I'm working with her and I'm showing her how to complete the square. And I'm like, this is where we're going. She's like, well, can we try? And she basically shows me, she derives the quadratic formula with two little missteps, which is better than what I've gotten out of 90% 90%er students. Um, who, you know, stumble all over the place and they have to go and reference their stuff. She's reasoning at such a high level right now that I can't, I can't imagine where she would be had she been getting all those failed quizzes at the beginning of the semester. Mm -hmm. um, she would definitely not be in my class anymore. She would have dropped it, moved to the Dash 2 foundational math course, and that's, I wouldn't see her every day. Um, she is inspiring me to be a better teacher. And I know that I have to show up for her every day. And this is a student that I have to work, mm -hmm. continue to work with. Like there are lots of little gaps that I have to fill in, right? But that to me is like where this works. Um, it also works for those, you know, those kids who are acing it all the time because I can, I, they aren't coming to me crying because they got nine out of 10. They're coming to me with like, well, then what should I do? You circled this, right? So it's it's a very different conversation. I'm not the I'm not the lawyer, you know, defending them on one side and then the judge on the other side marking their tests. So it's it's a great feeling. Yeah. Zach, you've already uh, kind of hinted on this, um, and and sometimes maybe I don't love us being overt in this question of where do we see God in, at work in your own life or your classroom. Uh, you've already touched on words like joy, and uh, and growth, and walking alongside of. So um, I think you've already answered, but I do want to just ask that: where do you see God in your classroom in this work, of, even of assessment? I mentioned incarnational theology earlier. Um, I think it's really easy for us to forget that our students have God in them and that, you know, I'm, you know, and Jesus reminds, right. When you were hungry, when you were thirsty, um, when you were learning physics, when you were learning math, um, like that, that is where I see God. And so, you know, I look at Jesus as a teacher, I'm like, okay, that's kind of a big challenge. Um, 
one of my favorite quotes, and I'm, I'm going to misquote it. It's a Hasidic saying, saying, um, wherever there's a child walking, there's actually a procession of angels in front of that child saying, make way, make way for the image of the true God. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I have to remind myself all the time of, um, just that I am engaging with God, with his spirit, mm-hmm. with, um, and also like we're, we're exchanging back and forth. We're exchanging these transcendent ideas. So it's, it's really like I get to play with the holy all day long. It's, it's, it's just a special, I mean, and I get paid. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a ridiculous, um, I, I, I just can't believe we get to do this as teachers. So I am in, Zach, first of all. Uh, we get to play with the holy. Uh, that's a phrase I hope people caught and remember because I think it's amazing. Um, I wonder if the if the exhausted voice out there might be saying, okay, so you told an amazing story of tutoring a female student, but how does it work with 20 other students in the room? Can you help me understand how you scale this story up with all 20 in your, is it pre-algebra class or the class that you were just describing? Yeah, it's really all about uh, helping students see that they are responsible for their learning. So when I give them written feedback, if they don't, if they don't take it, like it shows up, like it shows up in their, in the learning that goes on forward. Um, If a summative assessment at the end, it's going to show up. Um, We just had parent teacher interviews and Parents were asking about this. So um, helping students take responsibility for their learning is a lot easier when they're not being bombarded with numbers, uh, not math numbers, but grades. It, as soon as they see their learning as a, a percentage, like this is, this is what it is. This is what I've earned. Uh, now it's transactional. And so it, when I have my class of, you know, 20 two physics students, um, I want them to know that everything, like show up prepared, right? And if they're not prepared, we have a conversation, right? I say, hey, what's going on? Why Why are you not prepared? What can we do to be prepared for tomorrow? Um, they need to do the practice. Where are you struggling? Where are you in your proximal learning zone, right? Um, is it too easy? move on. Is it too hard? Back up. So just helping kids um, get to that space. And I mean, I've been teaching for years, so I have a lot of ease kind of moving through all of these things. So I imagine a new teacher would struggle trying to implement this rigidly. Um, the la- One last thing is make sure you get your principles, make sure your principal has your back on this too, because it's very new for a lot of people. Yeah, great. That's great advice. Um, and I hear in your voice the reality that you're changed as a teacher because you've pursued this with a colleague. And I'm wondering if um, you could tell us just sort of as we get to a, a close here, how has this practice changed you as an educator, both the working with a colleague, but also um, seeing the fruit of some of your, your labor in this, this area? I would call myself a convert now. I, I've never had such great student engagement with learning. Like it's, I was afraid that you had to, you had to kind of, you know, what is it? Churchill said, you got to walk with a big stick, but no, you don't. You just have to walk alongside them. And that's, that's honestly the truth. Students don't need, they don't want the big stick. They want to know that they're going to be heard, mm-hmm. that they're going to get honest feedback that they're going to be, you know, picked up when they fall down. Like it's, so I I would just, I would say I've, I've seen the light (laughs) as far as, I mean, I feel, I I feel weird saying Mm -hmm. it, but I do, I do feel like I've changed in my expectation of what students can do in the classroom. Um, It's, it's not something I really put stock in before. Yeah, I love that, Zach. I think it's Will Richardson who often goes around saying, can we just not acknowledge that grades are indefensible? So I just love that you're a convert. I'm there with you. 
um, as I walk with the seventh graders. Yeah, Alfie Cohen has like articles that will skin you alive <laughs> when talking about grades. <laughs> They're great. Oh, <laughs> assessment is from the Latin "acidare" to sit beside. That's what you had just you just used that exact phrase, Zach, a second ago mm-hmm. to to sit beside, and I think that's the original thought of what assessment is mm-hmm. trying to do. So appreciate your vision for that so much. Yeah, Zach, thank you so much for sharing your story, uh, what you're grappling with, willing to be a person of try. Our last segment of the podcast is an opportunity to celebrate the role you're playing in Christian education. Okay, to be inducted into the esteemed Every Square Centimeter Celebration of Learners Gallery, you need to join us on our podcast. Thanks, Zach. Share your story. Thanks again. And have at least one other person that you were, say that you were worthy of such an honor. And today that person is Jaden Bartell. He's the principal in the secondary campus at Calgary Christian School. And uh, we asked him to write in a letter talking about uh, kind of his appreciation of Zach. So here's what he had to say. Uh, maybe before I read this, Zach, is he a math guy as well or is he some sarcasm? Yeah, he gets to teach the calculus course. It's the one course he teaches, and uh, okay. he's held on to it. <laughs> okay. Zach Robichaud, what a name, right? In student circles, he is known as Roby, an endearing term used as a result of the relationships he builds in his math classes. Zach loves math as one should, wholeheartedly. It is in this space that he shares about how math has something to say about the harmony intended for all of us. In addition, he is always looking to improve his practice so that math class becomes a space where its beauty is understood and then extended. His students are better for it. Although math is the most important pursuit of life, Zach acknowledges that there are other things worth learning. Zach's interests extend to all facets of life. As a result, He is a fine connoisseur of many things and can engage in conversations of all types. As a friend and colleague, I have learned about board games that are worth playing, never Monopoly, drinks that are worth having, and adventures that are worth taking. Zach also loves to chat about a life worth living, and for that, I am always grateful. Zach rarely leaves one of our conversations without giving me something to think about, something that usually leads to something better. Zach from mm. Jaden. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, Jaden Jaden has a four-month-old, and he's just finished his master's, so, like, I think this past weekend. So, you know, the, the fact that he wrote that during this time, um, and he's dealing with leading a school through COVID times, so that's uh, pretty special. Very kind. Zach, uh, I uh, just in getting to know you and listening to you tonight, uh, uh, I can tell that uh, Jaden thinks highly and your community thinks highly of you. So is, if there's anyone that wants to connect with you uh, beyond this, how could they do that? Email is great. Uh, yeah, they can email me directly, Z-A-A-K dot R-O-B-I-C-H-A-U-D at Palliser S D P A L L I S E R S D dot A B dot C A. It's one of those great division pass or division emails. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Excellent. Rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listeners, we would love your involvement in our podcast as well. So email us as well at every square centimeter at gmail.com. That's every square centimeter R E at gmail.com. Give us some opening square ideas, maybe a fun prompt or question, a segment idea, but also just send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator that we should celebrate. Pose a question you want us to discuss. And last of all, we'd love more people to know about the amazing work that educators are doing. So please rate, review, and subscribe in whatever platform you use to listen to and tell a friend or colleague about the podcast. Before Darren sends us off with a blessing, I want to thank Zach for hosting our route today. And I'm just curious if anyone knows what a rout is. Any guesses? It's a group of animals. What animals? Bison. Oh, I should have spoke first. I was going buffalo. Zach? Nice work, Darren. Zach or Justin, any other guesses? 
Uh, it's not deer or moose. So it is coyotes. Coyotes are living and thriving in Calgary. Um, here's a little bit of information from the Calgary website. It says, if you see a coyote during the daytime, you should exhibit caution as that coyote may have become habituated to humans. So if you're approached by a coyote, you should yell, wave your arms, and or throw something at the coyote. Do not run away. Now, my question for you three, before we go, you are walking into your school. You have your school bag on you. Okay, you're going into school and you're confronted by a frisky coyote. What is it that you're choosing to throw? What is it that you're going with? It's terrible for the coyote, but I'm pulling out my rock hard Granny Smith apple and <laughs> chucking it as hard as I can. Because if I miss the coyote, he's going to smell it and go for food. And either way, I'm good. Okay, so Granny, <laughs> Granny Smith apple, good. Justin? Well, not that I want to carry it back and forth from school much, but uh, I'm going to chuck this Yeti microphone right at that guy. <laughs> it's got some good heft to it. Zach? Yeah, I think I would just grab one of the hand sanitizer bottles that would that are present everywhere, um, and hopefully it explodes and you know it'll cover him with a uh, you know with high alcohol content uh, hand sanitizer. Awesome! I'm going belt. If I can get it off quick enough, I'm going belt and uh, just either throwing it or whipping it um, to end our time together. Darren, please redeem this with a blessing. All right, I'd love to close our, our time with a blessing, uh, first and foremost to you, Zach, um, but also to the rest of the team here and to the listeners everywhere. Um, and it's based on a, a blessing out of number six. And may Yahweh, your heavenly father, come down to your level as a father to a child in love. May your heavenly father guard you with a hedge of thorny protection. May he illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you continually, bringing you to order so that you may fulfill your God-given purpose. And may he provide you with perfect love and fellowship, never leaving you. May he lift up and carry his fullness of being toward you. And may your Heavenly Father set in place all you need to be whole and complete so you can walk in victory moment by moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.